All right, I want to reemphasize something they said. Two weeks from today, you need to make sure you pay attention to June 5th because we're going to have a gathering, but instead of 9 and 11, it's just going to be at 10 o'clock. So one gathering, 10 o'clock in two weeks, June 5th. And then after it, we're going to have a bunch of uh, food carts and bounce houses and all kinds of stuff for, the, for families to have fun and for, and for us just to get to hang out as a, as a faith family and spend some time together. So June 5th, 10 o'clock, okay? And then uh, plan on staying. And it's going to be weather just like this. So um, we've got Cheryl Dorr praying about that, and so it's guaranteed. So uh, anyway... Glad you're here today with us, and um, yeah, congratulations for being here, um, because it's really nice outside, and I think there's, uh, yeah, nine o'clock was kind of slim pickings. I think people were kind of thinking, weekend warrior, finally get to get outside and do some stuff, but um, so for you online who are, I don't know, maybe you're at a campground someplace or um, on the road, uh, thanks for tuning in. And thank you for being here. We're, we're ending up this week, our last week, on the Choosing Hope series. And um, started on, on Christmas. It's been a long series. No, it started on Easter and uh, wrapping up this week. And today we're talking about sharing hope. And, and you know, the idea of sharing, that obviously means I'm taking initiative. There's activity. There's movement there. And hope is the hope that we find in God. And so it's different. Biblical hope is different than what we think of hope today. Um, you know, hope traditionally now in the way we use the word is kind of like, oh, fingers crossed, maybe something good will happen. You know, and so there's just kind of a, it's in the realm of possibility. Well, biblical hope is something that we have an anticipation of something good in our life now, and even we have an expectation of the future but it's anchored in what we've seen God do in the past. And so he's made promises, but we've also seen action where he has become man and has sacrificed himself um, for the purpose of he came not to rule or judge, but he came to seek and save the lost. And uh, for all who choose to trust in him, we have a hope based upon a certainty of the past, and we have this, um, this confidence about now in the future as a result. So that's what we're going to look at today about how do we share that. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 14. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 14. And in verse 15, we're going to start. It says, when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And so this is a person who is hanging out with Jesus in saying, um, I'm familiar with the promises from the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, that there will be a day when we all are in the presence of God, where he makes all things right, and all of the uncertainty and the pain and the sorrow and the disease and death and all that will be a thing of the past as we're eternally united with God, who is the fulfiller of everything that we're longing for. And, and so he's saying, yeah, I will be there. He's saying, yeah, I expect to be there. Okay, so he's in the presence of Jesus. So Jesus replies to him and says, a certain man was preparing, so he, he gives a parable, okay, which is a story that has kingdom truths in it. And so he gives this parable. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. And so 
the certain man is God. He's saying what you're talking about is the promised day for all who put their trust in, in God that we will be in eternity with God, okay? And so he's saying, yes, that is a promised day, and God is inviting many guests. And so at the verse 17, at the time of the banquet, he sent out his servant to tell those that he had invited, come for everything is now ready. And so in Jesus, in telling this parable, he's saying, you've heard in the Old Testament that there will be a day where the kingdom of God is here, and so I'm telling you now, it's here, okay? It's the kingdom of God is here because he's saying, God, the flesh is here, and anybody who uh, chooses to follow me is under my kingdom. And so it's quite a claim by Jesus about, uh, he's saying the fulfillment of your Old Testament scripture is happening right in front of you, okay? The time is now. And then in verse 18, it says, but they all alike began to make excuses. And so word went out. And here's how invitations went. There were two-part invitations. One was, uh, hey, we're going to have a wedding feast. And um, it's going to happen in, in the spring, and it's going to happen around this date. And so will you come? And so you responded to that. And if you said yes, you knew that around that date, you needed to be ready to go. But you didn't know exactly when. Because depending upon the amount of people, they had to you know, gather resources and they had to start you know, killing animals and, and getting ready for this feast and, and, um, and start preparing. And so when it was about, every, the meal was about done, they sent the second invitation out saying, come and get it. You know, come and get it. And so this is the second invitation. And this, the significance of this is Jesus saying, Hebrew Bible, you knew this day was going to come. Now this is the second invitation. I'm here. Come and believe in me. Okay, And so um, people had responded, and so now it's time to come. And they start making excuses. Verse 18, they say, um, hey, I've, I've bought a piece of land, and i got to go check it out. Totally bogus. Okay, I mean, this would be like saying, hey, you know, um, I'd love to come over today, but... Uh, I bought a house, and I got to find out where it is. You know, I got to find out. I'm not even sure how big it is, what neighborhood it's in, does it need work, and so I need to do that. And, you know, it's like nobody would do that. Then the next verse, bogus excuse too. I just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. So yoke of oxen. So you bought several oxen who together work to plow the land, it's because they're yoked together, okay? So you don't test them after you buy it. You test them before you buy it, and you find out, okay, do they work together as a team? Okay, they do, I'll buy them. Okay, so it's just bogus excuse two. Bogus excuse three is my personal favorite. Okay, verse 20, it literally says, uh, I married a woman, I can't make it. I'm, it's like, what does that mean? I want to know more. Give us, unpack that verse. You know, and, and uh, I don't know. I guess it just depends on the woman you marry. That's that's my. Um, but so those are the excuses, ridiculous excuses. But they're all saying, um, God, I don't think I need what you're what you're serving. I, I I think I'm okay on my own. 
And uh, God's prepared this for us, and the invitation's gone out, and uh, Jesus is saying, you know what, um, just be aware, everybody's not going to respond, even when it's hard to understand why. And so then, in verse 21, he says this, so, so the servant came and reported all these things to his master, and then the master became angry and said to his servant, well, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, sir, what you commanded has been done, and there's still room. And the master said to the servant, well, then go out to the highways and the hedges and um, compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. He said, you know, and, and God speaking said, this is my heart. I have spared no expense so that you may be re united with me and be able to sit at my table. Come, let people know. that. The, and the, here, here's a cultural thing, is um, typically big banquets like that, you, um, you invited people to a big banquet who you wanted to have influence with. And you wanted to now have them in your network of relationships that would give you more influence and affluence. And so you invite them to something special where you spend a lot of money and they then have kind of this unspoken understanding that, you know, um, I owe you, I owe you. And so I need to reciprocate for what you've done. And so that was the cultural norm. God's saying, invite everybody. Nobody owes me anything. Just come, be part of my table. And so people who would be coming would know, I have no way to reciprocate. I, I, I don't have anything to offer. And God's saying, hey, my banquet is available to all, and, and there's nothing you can do for me in order to earn it. it this is an act of grace. Come to my table. And so this is a beautiful picture of, um, of God and his offering to all of us, to all, everybody. We, we were created to be in relationship with him. And he's saying, I, I offer myself to you all. Come to me as an act of grace and mercy on my part towards you. Come. And some people are thinking, yeah, I don't think I need you. And other people are now coming who think, I don't deserve it. I've got nothing to offer. I'm coming gratefully. And so you can imagine kind of the scene around the table of a bunch of people who know they're in the presence of this master who they have uh, really nothing on the worldly level to offer. And that's the comparison of God towards us. And so um, it's this picture of hospitality. So I want to unpack that a little bit with you. Um, so here's my first thought. Regarding sharing hope, sharing the hope we have, in this story, it's, um, Jesus is challenging us to extend gospel hospitality. Okay, gospel hospitality. Now, um, he's always saying, okay, I'm, I am, I'm the one sending out the invitation, but I'm sending it out through you, my messengers. All right? And so you are to make this known. Invite people into my hospitality. Now, one day that will be perfect. We'll be in the presence of God. Right now, we can begin tasting that hospitality. 
because of what Jesus has done for us, we can begin a relationship with God right now. And it won't be fully realized until we stand face to face with him. But right now, you can begin experiencing God in your life day in and day out. You can begin experiencing his presence. And so, if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus says one of the things he's asking us to do is go out and let it be known. And we extend hospitality. Now, hospitality is a word in English that it's just kind of, it's kind of a weak English word. I mean, when I think of hospitality, I think of uh, Martha Stewart. Okay, you know, it's like, oh yeah, we need to present good food, make a nice table, you know, have it be very, you know, pleasing to the eye and to the taste, and that's hospitality. But, but the, the idea in the Bible here in Greek is much deeper than that. It's saying, um, it's not a building, it's not a table, but it's the place where you find refreshment. Hospitality is, invi- is to invite people into the place where out there you're beat up and you're exhausted, but in here you find rest, you find rejuvenation, you find shelter from the storms of life. Invite people into that place. And as a follower of God, there's an assumption there that no matter what's going on in life, and life is hard, okay, life, life is difficult. There's pain in life. If you have been in a, you know, if, if you've been on this earth very long at all, you've experienced pain, you've ex- experienced probably betrayal, maybe abuse, uh, frustration, things that just do not make sense in life, that you just, this is not okay. You know, I told you a few weeks ago about my wife's episode in the hospital, and I had, um, one morning I drove to St. Vincent's and I was, God, this is not okay. I know people are praying, but I'm not feeling it. I, I, I don't know what's going on here, but I, I am not okay. And just pouring out my honest heart to God and just saying, Here's, I'm at, here I am. And... I'm in a place where I'm, I'm questioning truth and I'm believing lies. And God met me in that and said, I don't know, I, I, I'm not telling you what's gonna happen to Kathy, but I'm telling you I'm gonna be with you. And it's like at that moment, that's about all I had. You know, and God's saying, all right, hospitality is inviting people into that place. I mean, we, we, we think, um, you know, life with God is one of him getting through bad circumstances till he gets us to the next good ones. And, and that's kind of a false premise in our head. It's like, who said life is gonna be a bunch of good circumstances? I mean, we're putting our hope on something. We're putting our hope on something really flimsy if our hope is in good circumstances. God, things are kind of sucky right now, and so my hope is in you that I will make it through this and get to good circumstances. That's, that's not what he's promising. I mean, we, we don't know that. I mean, life is hard, isn't it? I mean, life is hard. And sometimes we have a series of painful things that happen. 
And here's the promise. You're never alone. You're never alone. God is with you. And in the midst of pain and grief, with God with you, you can find things like peace in the midst of grief. You can find um, a sense of contentment in the midst of circumstances that don't make sense. And I've, I've been there at different times of my life where I feel like my circumstances are bad, I don't wanna be in them. It seems like my life as I want it is being ripped away from me. And I've spent time crying before God and the question that I have with God is, God, are you enough when everything that I want seems to be going away? Are you enough? And my tears were tears of realization that you're enough. You're enough, God. Today, in the midst of the suck, I get to walk with you. I get to walk with you in the midst of this. That's home. That's home. And God's saying, uh, one day you will experience me fully, but you get to experience me right now in the midst of life. And maybe life is great. Will you get to walk with him in the midst of that greatness? And maybe life is not. And you get to walk with God, the God of the universe in the midst of that. So that's where I find home. That's where I find peace. That's where I can find joy, um, even when it's hard. And God's saying, invite people into your home, into your living space. As a follower of God, are you experiencing God in a place in, at a depth where he's good and you know it, even when life's bad? Man, that's a desirable place. Invite people in. Now, um, last week, and if, as you read the New Testament, you know, we are we're a pretty myopic people, and our values are, are kind of, you know, individualism. And, uh, and so everything we read, we tend to read with eyes of, this is just about me. And uh, much of what we're challenged to do in the New Testament as a faith family is about us together. And so we practice corporate hospitality. As a faith family together, what are needs in our community that we can step into and, and invite people in? And so we do things. I mean, in, in, if you've been around, you know it. If not, uh, in three weeks, June 12th, we're doing a sneak peek uh, tour and um, and you'll get a chance to see some of the things that as a faith family we're engaging in and ministries that we're partnering in with our community. And, and God's blessed us with a, with a campus where we have a, a lower level that we're saying, okay, how can we give this away to the community? And so we partner with different organizations. We partner with Walton Food Pantry. And, uh, and it's downstairs and it's open and it's um, literally thousands of families every year um, help put food on the table through that food pantry. Um, children's, Northwest Children's Outreach. 
Uh, there's families in the Portland area who are really struggling financially and they have babies and they don't have the money to get diapers or baby food. And, and we partner with Northwest Children's Outreach that provides that and distributes it from, from our lower level. We uh, work with, uh, well, we, we, we do a thing called Hope's Table. Every Monday night we provide hot meals for people in our community. Um, we have Hope's Closet that provides clothing. We, have, we partner with Divine Threads that works with women who are going through difficult transition, many of which have been um, coming through abusive relationships, and uh, they need a fresh start. And uh, so they give them um, really the beginnings of a new wardrobe and uh, help them with uh, job placement and help them with dealing with the pain of, uh, and finding healing from the abuse that they've experienced. Um, Family Promise on our, on our campus, renovated a home, and it's their headquarters now to help families who are tipping into homelessness to not tip into it. Um, a place that they can bring their kids in the morning, they can pick picked up by the school bus, have a permanent address, they can be taken to school, and then the parents um, spend time um, working on their resume and doing job searches and, and sharpening up some skills and, and gets jobs. And, and I mean, in the last few years, so many families have been, have, have found their feet and found long-term housing and jobs and are not facing homelessness anymore as a result of it. We work with Borland Free Clinic. Uh, that is an organization that's one of the only organizations in the greater Portland area that offers free medical care. And people in our community are making decisions. Do I, do I buy groceries for my family or do I deal with my diabetes? And they're buying groceries for their family. And it's putting their life at risk. And we have a medical clinic that's stepping into those needs and uh, in a very practical way. You know, you look at the life of Jesus and he went from town to town and he was proclaiming with his mouth, the kingdom of God is here, okay? But he was also demonstrating with his life that I love you and I care for you. And so he was going and proclaiming this message but then every place he went, he saw real practical needs that he did not ignore but he stepped into. It was, I care for you, therefore I will tell you this truth about who you are and who God created you to be and that there's a way to get connected with the God who created you and I'm gonna heal you and I'm gonna provide food for you and I'm gonna befriend people who have been ostracized in their community. And so he did both and. And corporately we have the chance to do that as, as a faith family, to step into real needs in our community. And I do not want us spinning wheels. I do not want us hey, we're stepping in needs in our community but having no impact, but it just makes us feel good. Not interested in that. I, I, I'm interested in us being able to step into real needs of real people and be able to make a difference. And things like Borland Free Clinic is doing that. And by the way, if you're a physician, um, we need you. Uh, the clinic is open two times a week. It, it, the need is greater than um, the opportunity we have to be open. Primary uh, hindrance right now with Borland Free Clinic is we need more physicians volunteering. We have uh, nurses. We have lots of other volunteers. Some of you are prayer partners. Everybody who comes in is offered to be prayed for. Um, but we need, if we had more physicians, we, would ha we could be open more hours. 
And so if you are a physician, um, I don't want to say thus saith the Lord, but you know, maybe. Uh, <laughs> think carefully about that. You can talk to Zach about that um, right outside after this gathering or go to the middle um, counter there and uh, find out how you can get connected. But so grateful for uh, the way that we're stepping in the community um, and, and offering hope to the whole person. Um, sneak peek to our J- June 12th, if you want to learn more about that. Verse, or, yeah, verse 23. Again, what it says is, the master said to the servant, go into the highways and hedges and compel people to come in. Compel them to come in. And that my house may be filled. And this is the heart of God for us. You know, we ignore them. We act like we don't need them. But we're lost without him ultimately. And he keeps pursuing us. And he says, as my followers, go out and compel them. Now, this does not mean twist their arm. This does not mean make them. This does not mean argue with them. Um, it, It means let them know that there's a God who loves them and pursuing them and has made a way for them to know the God who created them. And then... Leave it in their hands. They have a decision to make between them and God. But our responsibility is to let it known. Get the word out. And so share hope. And that means for God to work through us and to have an impact, we need to initiate contact. We need to initiate. We need to share out. We need to go out because God is offering his table to everybody who wants to come compel them, make sure they're invited and, they, and help them to understand that they're clearly invited. Now, um, this can be threatening to us. And uh, some of you have uh, think, you know, it seems like uh, the message of the gospel isn't, you know, that God forgives sins. I don't know if people are feeling like they need their sins forgiven. And I would say that's probably not the felt need of people today because we're no longer a society that has um, absolute truth. There is absolute truth. We just don't think there is. Um, But as a result, who are you to tell me that I'm a sinner? Um, Because that just means you're judging me. And who who says that you know what right and wrong is and what what I'm doing and how do you know my motivations of of my heart? And so... If we go to people and say, hey, the good news is your sins can be forgiven, it's like, well, that's, that's not a question I'm asking. But the good news of Jesus is good news because it answers questions that people are asking today. In our world, people are desperately seeking meaning. Does my life even matter? Is there a purpose for my life? Or am, I, or am I just ultimately a cosmic accident? And it's just an accident that I exist and there, there's no meaning behind it. Man, we have, we have hope for that. Yeah, you, you are, your life is very meaningful. You were created for a purpose. Is it possible in life to experience all the stuff we experience in life and yet have contentment 
I mean, I've got this longing inside me. I'm just not finding contentment. It's like I'm accomplishing some things. I'm having some success. I'm, I'm at a place in life I didn't think I would be at it by this, you know, this stage in life. And yet, I'm not content. My soul is not at rest. There is no peace. Can you experience that? I mean, that's a burning question today. How can I find my identity? I mean, who am I, really? Kind of goes along with the meaning. And, and, and typically in most cultures in the world throughout history, there has been some kind of agreed upon external value system that you looked at and you said, okay, if a person lives this way, they are of great value and worth. And you would find meaning in that. Yeah, I am a good person. I'm a valuable person. It's an external standard. There's problems with it because it's a performance standard. But um, it's a standard that's stable because everybody in the, in the culture would know that, okay? Um, when it, in the United States, as a Christian nation with a Christian culture, and that doesn't mean everybody was Christian, but it meant there was an ethic that people said, okay, am I living according to this ethic that the whole nation buys into? Yes, I am. I'm a person of value and worth. Okay, today we, we are a post-Christian culture. We don't have that ethic. There is not a standard outside of us. And so what we've said now is you find your identity not outside yourself, but within yourself. And so you go within. You go within and you do some soul searching yourself. And, and really the sky's the limit about who you are. You can be anybody you want to be. And so who are you? And so then if you get to a place where you think, I think this is who I am, and then you come out and you say, I am this. Um, at that point, the old system was stable with this ethic, but it was, wasn't liberating. You know, it was just like, okay, this is it. Are you going to be this or not? This system of internal inter introspection and then coming out and declaring, this is who I am. This is my identity. It is... Um, it's liberating, it feels liberating, but it's really unstable because then you're looking around and you're going, what, what, how are you responding to this? And today, um, we, we can declare ourselves as anything. This is my identity, anything. I'm a kitty cat. And I can declare that. And you might think, well, you know, that in logical, you know, there's a lot of things there, Bill, that you know, like you look in a mirror, Okay, here's a cat, here's you. You're seeing some things that are different there. I mean, you might think, okay, there's maybe some thinking that you need to continue um, dealing with in order to establish a, um, who you really are. Um, but if you did that today to me in this culture, you're not allowed to do that. Because when I'm coming out and saying this is who I am, for you to say, well, let's think about that. Well, you're questioning not my thought. You're questioning who I am. And, and that's, not, that's not okay. And so we're all fragile as a result of that. We live in a very fragile thing because we have no ethic that we see as um, universal truth but we all find the truth within, and then we come out and declare it, and nobody else can comment on it because they're commenting on who I am. And so it's, it's an insecure place to be. And that's where we're, we're at in our country. And um, it feels liberating. 
it's unbelievably fragile and it's made us all fragile. God speaks into that. God says, I know exactly who you are. You're beautifully and you're wonderfully designed by me, the creator of the universe. And I care for you deeply. And you're not an accident. But you're someone I love and I pursue. Even when you ignore me, or I've lived as if I don't exist. I hold nothing back in my pursuit of you. You're beautifully and wonderfully made. And of all of my creation, only you, humanity, did I make in my image to reflect my character. You're beautiful. And I've made a way for you to turn back to me. Even though you may have ignored me, even though you said I'm okay without you for much of my life, when you turn back to me, I've made a way for you to be forgiven and brought back in 100% embraced by me. I made you, I know you, and I love you. That's who we are. That's who God created us to be. That's unbelievably liberating. I don't care what other people think of me. I know who God says I am. And it's unbelievably stable. Because it's not shaken by what other people think. It's not even shaken by the doubts I have in myself and what I think when I'm believing lies. But it's true. It's not something I achieve. But my identity is something that I receive from the God who made me. We have hope. Offered because we're not the hope. But we know that there's a God who loves us and creates us and says, as you're understanding that, go let other people know and invite them in to your place of peace, which is your relationship with me. We have answers. But people will reject, but some will receive. And so invite them in. I mean, start with the people in your life. Who, who's, who are the people in your life that you've been thinking, I need to stay shallow, I need to stay surface. They know I'm a follower of Jesus, and uh, I don't need to let them know that I'm struggling in different areas of my life and that I'm having a hard time because they need to know that I'm doing great because I'm a follower of Jesus. Well, I'm thinking... That's exactly wrong. Because we need to be real. And, we need, and, and as we listen, because we care for people, and as we hear their struggles and hear their journeys, and, and we're going to connect and relate to a lot of them. And then we can say, kind of share my story of how I'm finding peace in the midst of the storm of my life. It's hospitality. It's inviting people into your home and helping them experience God. So who in your life is somebody you need to initiate with? Go deeper. Reach out to. Who needs a friend? Who needs encouragement? You know, invite them into your place of peace. Now, um, 
people were hiding from this banquet and they made all kinds of bogus excuses and they're basically saying, I don't need you, so I'll hide from you. And it, it reminded me of uh, when the kids were young and playing hide and seek and you've experienced this and I, I wish I know now what I knew, what I, no, I wish I knew then what I know now, but then when I started playing hide and seek with my kids, I'd say, okay, you go hide and then I'll come and try to find you, you know? And, uh, and they would say, okay, and I'd say, go hide, and they'd go, and I would just think, something's wrong with my child. I mean, the fact that they just like close their eyes and they think they disappear. I mean, oh my gosh, Kathy, we need to go to the doctor. Something's not. And then I find out, okay, this is normal development. It's a normal stage of development. And I was, imagine my relief. It's like, oh. But then I think, you know what? That's us with God, isn't it? We think, you know, if I just close my eyes and ignore him, he's not really there. You can't see me. You know, maybe that's the journey you've been on with God. You know he's there, but you've been closing your eyes. And, and this is what I want you to know. If you're at the place where you're willing to face God and open your eyes to him, you're not gonna find somebody with paddle. You're gonna find somebody with his arms wide open. Because he loves you, and he's pursued you, and he's held nothing back so that you can have a relationship with the God who made you, the God you were created to be in relationship with. And maybe today is the day you open your eyes. You say, okay, I'm, I'm done with the bogus excuses. I'm done with ignoring you. I'm done with pretending you're not here. But I'm willing to step in to that relationship. And if that's where you're at, I invite you just to uh, just express your heart to God. And um, that's a thing we call prayer. And you just pray to God. And so I'm gonna have us all bow our heads, close our eyes. And um, I invite you, if that's where you're at in your journey, just to talk to God and say, God, I, I know that you are real and that you created me and that you love me. And I ask for forgiveness for ignoring you uh, for being selfish and just saying, no, I'm good, I don't need you. Or even thinking that I'm better off without you. So I ask for forgiveness. And I thank you for your love. I thank you for being patient with me. And now I thank you for accepting me into your presence. And God, um, help me to know you more and to understand and become the person you created me to be. And it's in your name I pray, amen. Father, I pray for each person here and um, the journey you have them on. And I pray that as they listen to you this morning, that as uh, you've maybe challenged some thinking uh, opened your eyes to people you need to reach out to and go deeper with. I, I pray that you would um, just encourage and bless each person who takes steps in trusting you. Uh, I just thank you that in the midst of the storm of life, um, 
in a very, very real way, you are with us. And you can give us hope and peace. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed along with me this morning and you prayed for the first time to trust in Jesus, um, then there's one thing I want you to do after we're done and we dismiss. Um, go out to the center tables there out in the middle and um, let them know that you prayed along with me this morning. And they just have some information they want to get into your hand. It is not, uh, they're not recruiting you. They're not uh, you know, asking you to give. They're not, you know, nothing like that. It's just, here's some, here's some verses that are uh, foundational with what you just did. They just remind you of, of the commitment you just made. And then here's some ideas about how, how do you begin and in, in kind of nurture this new relationship with God and gives you a couple just simple practical things. So we want to get that into your hands. If you're watching online and, and you prayed along with me today, um, go to rollinghills.org next steps and there will be a, a quick questionnaire. There are just a few questions and they'll be asking how, they can, uh, how we can get that information into your hand as well. And so go and do that as well. Um, thank you for being here. I pray that as we uh, worship God together and we hear him, that we're just, respond, we're, we're just reminded more and more of what the truth is about who God says we are, about who God is, and then we can face tomorrow and go into our week knowing that God is with us moment by moment, and we have the privilege of walking with the creator of the universe. And man, every other identity we can come up with just fails in comparison to knowing God loves us, created us. He thinks we're beautiful. And he's made a way for us to walk with him for the rest of our lives and all eternity. And uh, let's uh, continue to worship him as we sing.